Welcome, friends, to episode five of season three of Slide Between the Pages with Amanda and Beck. <laughs> I felt like I needed to do that because last week you gave me shit for. It was very flat. <laughs> I sound like a man today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are currently recording from our hotel room because yesterday we went to our first book mm-hmm. signing mm-hmm. event. <clears throat> which was books by the bridge. So yeah, um, you'll just have to excuse our voices because we do sound a bit manly. It was also Mardi Gras here in the city. So we were out later than normal. For us. For us. <laughs> Not for, for And we haven't done that for a very long time either. So we were yes. out of form. Um, but we had a great time. We went around, we um, were actually able to meet some of the authors that we've spoken to before on the podcast in person. So mm-hmm. Cadence and Monica. Um, we met Lockie Carey and Chris Jensen. Mm-hmm. Um, who we've also had on as well. Who we've also had on the podcast, yep. Um, and also David ended up coming out at the end of the night. I know. Yes, so we did. So we've, we've, yeah, so we've actually met all the models <laughs> <laughs> all the models um we saw tate uh who else did we see oh um, we met a new author sarah jane duncan as well yes, so we i did her. buy her entire trilogy yeah. and we are yeah yeah looking at having her on yeah in next season next so season. um but yeah we will do a bit of a haul once we get home of what we each got because we did get we did get some the same and we did get some that were different. So, yeah. Um, and But it was really great because we don't really get to find a lot of Aussie authors, I feel. So, yeah, I did like getting some of their books. Um, oh, and we met T.L. Swan as well. So T.L. Swan, Kat T. Mason, yeah, so L. Thorpe. We're, they were all there and we did pick up some signed books for a special giveaway coming up soon. So you'll just have to keep an eye out on our Instagram for that one. Yes. So yeah, that was that was good. We did get some really pretty books to bring home for our bookshelves. Um, yes. um, I, I actually can't wait to show everyone the one, um, the Evelyn Maynard trilogy. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so pretty. But yes, it was, it was a very fun, very fun night. Yes. Um, so let's jump into it. This week we are talking about the Gentleman Trilogy mm-hmm. with Jessa Wilder and Kate King. We absolutely love this trilogy. So it is a dark romance, um, enemies to lover, mafia, um, yeah. kind of war type situation. Um, so let's get into it. Welcome, friends, to episode five of slide between the pages and this week we are super excited to be joined by jessa wilder and kate king welcome hi (laughs) now thank you for we are that excited to talk to you both because honestly we devoured the gentleman trilogy it was amazing so (laughs) before we start with that i'll just give you both a bit of an introduction um, so both of you really are international best-selling authors after releasing this trilogy because, you know, they got a lot of attention. Starting with Jessa, so you are a Canadian author, you write steamy contemporary romance, and when you're not writing, 
you're either chasing around your six-year-old or more likely reading, which, yeah, we're there for that. We're there for yeah, that. Yeah, if I can get away with it, I'll be reading. Yeah. <laughs> 100%, 100%, we get that. And Kate, so you are a best-selling author of not only the Gentleman series, but also Blissful Omegaverse. And you do write Reverse Harem, Omegaverse Romance, um, and you're from Boston. Yes. <laughs> Which you love. I do love Boston. I've been there before. Um, oh, really? Yes. And this is the part I really was really intrigued about. You live in a converted church with your husband and two cats, and you often ride in cemeteries. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so the converted church is like living out my YA fantasy, right? You know, yeah. like we did this. I was like, we have to live here. Like, this is, this is the dream. <laughs> Um, and there's like a wicked cool um, cemetery like right down the street and it's giant and when I was working on not any of the books that we've written together but like a YA um, fantasy I wrote like the entire thing sitting in the cemetery Um, (laughs) and so like that was like a big inspiration for that absolutely that's super (laughs) cool We, I have a morbid fascination with cemeteries as well. To the point, remember Amanda, we were on a road trip and we took our husbands to this ancient cemetery because it just looks super cool. <laughs> I like, love people. Oh, I'm so sorry. I mean to interrupt, but I love people who do like morbid tourism. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did that. We did that, and our husbands are like, "Why are we here? We're just like, this is so great." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, like seriously, like I could go on and on about just like macabre tourism forever. I love cemeteries. There's a lot of really cool ones around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I mean, I'm from like the Boston area, but I grew up in Concord and um, like, there's just like sick cemeteries. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> yeah. So it's cool. And you also want to publish 30 books before 30, turning 30. I don't know how likely that is at this point, but you know, I mean, like, I mean, I've got several years coming to me, so we could do it. Like, <laughs> look, I, I love, I love, I love it. It's ambitious. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, if we keep going at this clip, like, it's actually doable, but do it. Yeah, hard. If we count novellas, like, we wrote that uh, pack yeah. origin in a few weeks, right? If I could, count- tell, I don't know. <laughs> Publishing and writing, like, I could absolutely write 30 books before I'm 30 I'm like I'm getting there um publishing maybe not we'll see (laughs) well we'll have to keep an eye out for that I'm excited to see whether you reach that goal okay so going over to the gentleman now we've got three books so I've got red-handed thieves honor and damned souls it is complete so it completed on the 15th of February very exciting so anybody that was holding out can jump in and read the whole thing together now um I don't know how people do though I, I just can't I'm too I'm, I'm too no sick. I'm a, I need it as it as it comes out yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and we're looking at it's a reverse harem it's like a mafia type modern day Romeo and Juliet type situation but let's let's start with what it's about so essentially we've got two main mafia families we've got the O'Rourke's who are Mount Summer and the Espositos who have the gentlemen. Um, and they've been fighting for years, ever since a gang war that killed both of their heirs, their male heirs. So Marcus and Dante were killed in a shootout and that's just caused them to have 
great hate for each other since then. And they're kind of separated down the middle of the city of St. Adrian, just separated. Like you've got this side, we've got this side, we hate each other. But if you cross over into our side, like you're dead basically. So um, we start out and can I just say, I love Reagan. I love her so She's much. so hilarious. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> but we start out with her, you know, she is the sister that her her mum and dad, they just, they don't love her, you know, like she's just the spare. Um, you know, her sister Sophie is the mafia princess. She's going to kind of be the one that they marry off to, Um you know, cement some sort of deal or whatever. Um, but Reagan's basically just, she's in the gang. She's She's got all the skills. Um, not that her father really wanted her to have that. Um, he was kind of hoping that she would die during the training. Fortunately, she didn't for him. Um, but yeah, anyway. I feel like, I feel like he, she was a huge asset for him. A huge asset. Yeah. Like, she should, he should appreciate those skills yeah and she and you know she was I thought she was quite thoughtful in that in at the start of the series where she got him a painting I know I love I know. that look what I got dad <laughs> and I mean she was only on recon um yeah. and she just she, she thought about it. she's yeah, like I'll get that while I'm here but I just love it she's like fully decked out and she's like, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna have to, obviously going to have to scale this wall to get into the hotel. Um, you know, I'm wearing a dress, whatever. Uh, scale the wall, get in, have a look around, steal a painting, get out. Runs into Beck. Oh, mm. God, I love Beck. In, in the alleyway, you know, because he's just, um, I guess, like torturing somebody. Just in the middle of it. Just casually, just casually torturing. Um, and... She's just like, oh, cool, I can stab him. But then they're like, you know what? We might just maybe do like a, a bit of making out and dry humping against the wall. Mm. As it would. I think it would be a missed opportunity, to be honest. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, oh, shit. Hang on a second. Where am I? No, I can't. I can't do this. I must leave. Um, so, you know, she just deafens him by, you know, shooting right next to his ear and then runs off with her painting. <laughs> It's like, I love that she runs off. I don't know why. I just found that whole thing just hilarious. It was hilarious. And she just jumped in the car like, look what I got, Dad. So exciting. <laughs> but how did you come up with this? What was give you the inspiration for this storyline? Kate, we'll start with you. Um, well, okay, so we both really liked um, RH. We were both RH readers um, and mafia readers in general. So, you know, it was something where we wanted to, you know, take our own spin on it. Um, we had been talking a little bit about like, you know, spy books um, and, you know, we wanted to do something that was plot-based, um, you know, and so it, the plot grew, I think a little bit, <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that we had talked about initially was we, was wanting there to be a heavy plot in addition to strong romance and then it sort of ran away um <laughs> and it became more plot-based than we had even intended but I think in a good way um, absolutely but there wasn't like a specific inspiration for it I guess no <laughs> you just had to combine all the things you love right <laughs> yeah. yes this is what we're here for mm-hmm and so what, like, how did you decide to become co-authors, Jessa? 
co-authors. Um, so Kate and I had like an Instagram kind of relationship revolving around books and specifically RH books. And then I was writing the study day and she was writing, I don't remember what the book's called. It doesn't matter. <laughs> she was writing a YA book and we traded books in order to read each other's. And then we ended up both uh, really liking each other's writing style. Like there's a lot of trust there that goes into reading somebody else's book. And um, yeah, from there, then, I don't know, like it, like a thread started, like, like an idea and suddenly, I don't know how it took off, but <laughs> we, we went from like, hey, let's, you know, read your book to let's write one book to that book's going to become a duet to that book's going to become a, trilo a trilogy within like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best stories. I, yeah, I, I can I'm, definitely I'm see. Commitment. <laughs> yeah. I can definitely see how it, it turned into a truly because like you said, Kate, it's very heavy plot, which I love too. Like I, I love that. But I think book two is is where all of it happens happens as well. So yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you could have fit that into into one. No, that wouldn't no, have worked. Like it, didn't, it didn't start. It would have been a very long book. <laughs> <laughs> like the ideas were there. From, from book one, right? You know, we knew kind of where we wanted to go with the story, but it just wasn't gonna fit. Like book one would have ended up being ridiculously long and nobody <laughs> wants to read a 3,000 or 300,000 word book. Um, it's just <laughs> too much. <laughs> um, so it had to get broken up somehow. Yeah. Absolutely. Like two Dana Viper sized books, which would have just- <laughs> Huge. <laughs> oh, I love the I love the covers. Like, do you? Yeah. Like, the color scheme is beautiful. Yeah, they're um, very. Um, they stand out a lot. Mm. And them. I'm like, cool. Well, I can do some pretty images for that. And also, like, it's really difficult for me because I need to pick some quotes to post about it, and I just have too many to pick from. Uh, so I know. What, how will I choose? <laughs> it's gonna be really tough. It's become purple. Um, which wasn't like a choice, like intentionally, like at the beginning, but now all of our books, all of our marketing is purple and <laughs> just sort of, again, it's gorgeous. Thing. It's gorgeous. Yeah. The purple <laughs> and the red is really pretty. That's what Amanda's like, well, we'll just, um, for this, just highlight some notes from your Kindle, like for this interview and I'm going through it and I'm like, yeah, I've got so many notes in there. I know like all the things are highlighted. <laughs> yeah. But my notes aren't on any plot stuff. It's all yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was like highlighting my favorite. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I've got really much. <laughs> Whenever I'm trying to do TikToks, I'm like, all of this stuff is too dirty for TikTok. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. So yeah, so obviously, um, the plot evolves in terms of. Reagan goes back to the hotel to the gala so she can pickpocket all these really rich people and basically just rip off the Espositos and piss them off even more. But she ends up, it's a its a masked ball. She ends up dancing with Rush or Sebastian Rushmore, who is the head of security for the gentleman. And they have like a moment until she takes her mask off. And he actually thinks that she's Sophie. And he's like, oh my God, she, you know, what is she doing here? And then of course there's an explosion. So everyone's running out. She has another moment with Nico where they kind of just like stare at each other, like across the ballroom. And then she runs out and 
is completely blindsided when Nico and his mom show up at the compound and are like, oh yeah, by the way, we've got kind of like a little bit of a truce going on in the back end. Um, and we need to move that forward because the Hatter is coming after us and we need to band together. So cue Sophie and Reagan moving into the hotel with Nico, Beck and Rush. Mm. Straight away, you're like, damn, things are going to go down. Uh, and Connor, they move in with Connor, which oh, he's such a dick. He is such a dick. Um, <laughs> mm. but anyway, so there's a lot that goes on, on here. Um, firstly, Nico is also blindsided because he didn't even realize that there was a second daughter. Like nobody really knew that Reagan existed. They were all focused on Sophie. Um, and so, yeah, he was kind of like, oh, all right. Um, and we find out later a little bit more why all three of them were so blindsided, which of course is when Jimmy, you know, storms in at the end of book one to tell, like to announce that, um, you know, Nico and Sophie married. <laughs> yeah, you better find her because she's kidnapped and she's your, your wife. wife. And I mean, look, uh, you know, you do get the inkling of, like on the way through book one that you're like, okay, um, like, you think that they're probably betrothed to each other. Like there's some sort of arranged marriage situation coming. Like you, you don't think that they've, their parents actually have, married. Yeah. have actually married them off as teenagers yeah. before they're legally entitled to be married. Like that yeah. part was like, oh, okay. That takes things up a level. Um, and, you know, understandable why Nico was so hesitant to, uh, you know, act on anything he had going with Reagan because it's a little awkward you know um, sister. <laughs> but my with, dad that's the thing <laughs> I also really like Sophie as well like she's not she's she's I know she surprises them during the book but she's not um your typical poor little mafia princess like she actually has a backbone and she is not in any way jealous of Reagan either like I know sometimes when you read stories like this there's always like it's very easy to not like a character like Sophie but I love her I love her and I love that she's like puts on that high-pitched voice <laughs> just to pretend but really she's she's, she's got a lot more depth yeah she's got a lot more depth we worked really hard to grow her in every book like she mm. wasn't the main character truly in Red Handed but every book we try to build her to the point that she's a, like a fully flushed out person. At mm. the yeah. And like, um, it's, like <laughs> it's important for both of us too, that like Sophie not be um, dumb, you know, yeah. and she like kind of push it aside and, and they don't hate each other. You know, they are sisters. Yeah. Um, and so like, yeah, at the end of the day, that is still the case. Um, so like, I don't know, we get mixed reactions on Sophie, but by the time, like we get to the third book I think everybody kind of gets that their relationship has oh. shifted by the third book really I loved her right from the start <laughs> <Good. laughs> I mean, so <laughs> yeah I loved her I love especially that in that first scene when <laughs> when Nico and Giovanna are at the comes in she just storms in and she's like oh can we not <laughs> yeah I know because everybody pulls a gun on her <laughs> I know yeah. but I love that also Reagan never really um 
second guesses her either. She's like, she can do this. I know she can do this. And I love the banter between Sophie and Nico too, because Sophie's just like, I don't even care. Like, I also I don't like you, but, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to be useful and I'm going to help you. And I, I mm-hmm. love, I love that. She definitely starts out more meek in the first book. Like you can tell there are little parts of her personality that sneak through where you can tell that there's more depth to her and she's got, you know, a background and everything like that. But she's just been forced so hard by her parents into this role of you are the poor helpless princess who's basically only role in life is to marry someone important. And so she's really, she's actually really working hard on playing that role and hiding Mm -hmm. what she has underneath. Whereas, and Reagan also takes a little while, even though her, her, her sole thing is like, I will protect Sophie. She also takes a little while to realize that Sophie hasn't really been in a a good position either. Like she hasn't been in a good position, but Sophie hasn't either. So it's, it, yeah, as you say, you did develop that because it builds it both out where they both kind of realize that, yeah, look, neither of us are in a good position like our parents haven't done right by either of us here yeah yeah that was a part of nico's beginning of his redemption is he was also not in good position like because everybody That's was right. so proud of them at the end of book one which is great but like he is no different than sophie was right like he was put in the same off. position yeah exactly right. and i think the only the only thing that you kind of could say about him in that situation was that he didn't just come clean about it but at the same time, he did explain that in that, well, why would I? Like, we were enemies. Yeah, like, exactly. I didn't know, you know, anything about you at that point. And then it just evolved after that. Like, when was the right time to bring it up? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm married to your sister. <laughs> so, P.S., while we're here, just a little bit of information. I love, I love too, that she would... <laughs> like Sophie would have her yoga lattes on I know just to piss him off I know and she and you find out yeah she's doing it on purpose (laughs) and she's like and I love when Reagan just throws it in their faces like well she figured out that um Beck was your interrogator so she's clearly a better spy than what you think she is (laughs) I know because even Reagan didn't figure it out and she was like right in her face like obviously he is yeah oh my god I know um so yeah I mean it's funny the push and pull between them in book one because all of them are so attracted to each other and have that kind of chemistry and everything like that but they keep trying to like tell themselves that this is the enemy and like I'm not you know I'm not here for this. I'm really here just for one particular purpose. And we've got to find out who the Hatter is and get rid of them and, you know, everything else um, that I'm feeling, that's not true. Like maybe a little bit of lust, but nothing else, which I love because it's so hilarious when they fight against their, (laughs) fight against their feelings. (laughs) And I also love how Nico just loses his shit all the time and just shoots things. I know, yeah. Nico is extremely neurotic. Like Nico, like you know. I know, I know, I love it. Um, but yeah, I I think you know he. It's understandable when you find out more about his family background. Yeah, you know how he might not be the most stable of people. Um, Mm -hmm. so. 
all right. So anyway, we obviously straight away you're endeared to Beck because he is he's the only one not fighting his feelings. He's like, you know what? Um, this is cool. I'm cool with her. I like her and I think, you know, I'm just gonna have her. Like, I don't care that she's Mount Summer, like honestly. And I also like just enjoy the fact that he's like, you know, a famous motocross rider yeah. <laughs> for Red Bull as well. Right. You know, like that's like one of those like you have to have it things. Mm. It has to have a side gig. I mean, what I if this know. what if this whole, you know, gang thing doesn't work out? You know, he's got that to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I know. And he's just like, yeah, I mean, I'm like rushed is just paying him out about it all the time. Like, yeah, no, like he's pretty terrible. And then he's, he's like, yeah, Reagan, I mean, I'm pretty good. You know, my look, my face all over the stadium. And yeah, stuff. He's, <laughs> awards, he's everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah. So they all kind of build up their feelings for each other. Um, throughout book one and there's obviously a number of main events that occur there as well um now I think one of them Beck is one of your favorite scenes from book one did you want to talk about that you'll have to enlighten me because I'm not sure which one that is um against the window oh I believe you the window. I believe you messaged me about it I did I did <laughs> yeah look um probably one of my favorite scenes ever so that I've read so thank you for that <laughs> yeah she rush. this is a big call I think it's rush though I think it's rush. yeah it's rush yeah it's a big call because she messaged me to say that she was going to add rush to her permanent harem list yeah he, uh-huh. he made it to my permanent ha- like so I I'm very picky with it but I messaged her I said I Rush has officially made it to my permanent harem list so how did you do at the end of uh book two though did he get booted off your hair? No, because I had faith in him. <laughs> I was like, I, I picked up on the, the little comment he made. He's like to Nico, put this vest on. So I was like, mm-hmm. He, 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 he's going to redeem himself here. It's fine. It's totally fine. I was more concerned with how he would feel knowing that he, he shot her. That was what I was thinking. But look, the window up against the window. So <laughs> yeah. I did message Amanda and I was like, mm-hmm. I'm here for this. So yeah, that's when I was a true Rush fan from that point. <laughs> um, yeah. So <laughs> they're, you know, they're working together. They've got to get this laptop that was stolen um, in the height of the explosion because it's, you know, got all this stuff on it that Nico doesn't want getting out. And um, him and Reagan go and find it and also find like a shitload of guns where they're like, oh my God, like we're in a bit of trouble here. Um, and they also realize that, you know, possibly they're stealing from Mount Summer because um, obviously they run dr- um, the guns. And, um, you know, they're like, how are we going to get out of this? <laughs> One of the quotes that I've highlighted, which I really love, is when <laughs> they are um, at, I think they go to get the guns from the warehouse and, um, you know, all of a sudden they're surrounded by Trilogy members and, you know, they're like, shit, how are we get out of this? She makes it out 
to under the truck and she stands up and realizes that Rush and Nico have like just basically killed all these people. And, but then they're getting like these guys are walking up behind them and she jumps out with both guns and just like, pew, 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 pew. and <laughs> she says, Rush and Nico turned to gape at me. I would call the five stages of what the fuckery, confusion, denial, anger, rage, and lust. (laughs) (laughs) I just love it. And then she's like, okay, cool. Um, So the only way I'm going to do this, obviously I've just got to reverse over all these people in the truck and then we can just get away, which, you know, she's really good at getting out of prickly situations, Um, you know, and they don't give her enough. I know that they've got feelings for her, but they just don't give her enough. (laughs) Oh, are you... (laughs) I know that, you know, there's that side of it as well. But they're kind of like, don't do it, Regan. You can't do this. She's all like, why? I've done it my whole life. Like, legit, I can handle it. Just give me some free reign here because, you know. Um, But, yes, end of book one is when, obviously, Sophie. And, I mean, look, this was pretty stealth as well. Um gets kidnapped out of her room which is right next to nico's and they like jump out the window and rappel down the building like i feel like that was a pretty good effort yeah I don't know. and also i really think that rush needs to you know up his game on security because i mean reagan's already climbed the wall mm. to get in they've got in mm. you need some wall cameras yeah yeah so yeah. at this stage like beck and rush have already like <laughs> I've come to terms with the fact that look we're probably gonna get it on with with Reagan now and be with her um but they're really pissed off because Nico hasn't told them told her about the uh the whole marriage thing which is a big a big point of contention um and so she gets kidnapped and Jimmy's on his way they're like shit man you need to tell her like now and he's all like oh my god I'm so sorry let's make out um which was really a poor decision because the, he lost those seconds that he really did need to tell her because then, you know, Jimmy walks in and is like, you need to go and no, get your wife. No, no, You see, I don't, I took that as he was cementing. He's like, look, I'm kissing you now. So this, <laughs> just remember this for when I tell you something really fucked up in a second, <clears throat> when you find it out. Yeah. And yeah, he, he didn't tell her. He, no, Jimmy told it. She got what completely did- blindsided. Like, you know, if you told her right in that moment, like, you know, would it have been better? I mean, at the no. end of the day, I think he was just really like, um, this might be the only chance I get to kiss her. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like, after this moment, there's no chance that we're gonna get I get to kiss you. So you just no we're coming back from this. <laughs> like you in the authorial intent out of it like if he was a real person would it have gone better for him if he told her that i don't think it would oh <laughs> I look i don't i don't think so, so um, you had to take the opportunity it's a tough situation that he put himself in to be honest mm-hmm. yeah no that's a hell of his own making but like you know at that moment at that when, moment look the making yeah. out was hot it was um yeah. he claimed her as much as he could before he was going to lose her. So good on him for taking the opportunity. Now, I, I did love the, um, the little pre-word in Thieves Honor. The what? Um, Oh, just a little bit, you know, if you hear MM content and don't immediately say, don't threaten me with a good time, this might not be the book for you. I was was like, like, where is it? I was like, (laughs) yeah. 
<laughs> Can I say that that was written like as almost like a warning to our families? Like, like not, not like the MM content part, but like the, the whole, the whole note, just everything. I, like, I mean, <laughs> you definitely upped the notch in every book. I will <laughs> say that. Um, mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> in fact I was reading one one scene I can't even think now which one it was um so Amanda and I actually worked together outside of this and we were carpooling with uh, one of our other colleagues to work <laughs> I was in the back reading it and I was like oh good god <laughs> she's like which part I'm like oh I know which part it was it was the the dinner part where at the table I was like <sighs> Oh, on the table. Mm. Yep. Oh, that was yeah. good. That was good. And, and our, our colleague was not the wiser. She was not the wiser. She was reading that part. And I was reading a part from book three. I was like, oh, my um, God. One of the group scenes. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so we just communicated in, in high-pitched squeals, I guess, um, at that point. I don't think mine was a high-pitched squeal, but... It was, it was. I was literally just like, Jesus fucking Christ, I can't, I'm going to have to put this away. I can't read this right now. <laughs> <laughs> On the way to work. <laughs> <laughs> it needs one of those warnings. It's like, do not open at work. <laughs> <laughs> not safe for work. Yeah. If we ever have a book, I'm going to have a moment where I'm like, I have to be aware again of like what we've written. And I'm going to be like, oh. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I think the surprising part of the start of book two was actually that Reagan like went against her father because she's been so conditioned to essentially just do whatever he says. And all of a sudden she was just like, no, I need to get out of here. And they were all chasing her down. Patrick let her go and Beck was like, well, you know, this is my chance to um, steal her away and basically just force her to get past this because obviously she will forgive me um and they go to <laughs> lake not a real <laughs> i did love Dude, it yeah. i loved it <laughs> the whole yeah. time i was just giggling every time it was there i was like <laughs> <laughs> like, not, like not a real lake <laughs> yeah. not a like not a real <laughs> god i love that <laughs> and of course this is where uh beck has his torture house um you know and it's well set up like good on him mm. um I, I i loved where they when rush and nico found out where he was and rush is like oh i hope she doesn't go swimming <laughs> and i was like oh no they're creepy out i was like oh no it makes you think of all the things but you know prior to them finding out where he is uh and beck's just like <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't figure it out sooner. Um, really, they should have. To be they honest. should have. Yeah. They should have. Um, you know, Nico kind of did go on a murdering spree. Yeah. Yeah. And he does need an interrogator because he's really terrible at it. He just kills them all before yeah, they should. give him anything. Next. Next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really appropriate, right? I mean, you know, like, yeah. he's like, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's not his role in the gang. Yeah, exactly. They've got to play their own parts. There's like a symbiotic thing going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
And so they find a lead about where they could find the trilogy and they go to like this race and they have a really hot, like fast and furious race moment, Um, you know, kidnap the guy, bring him back, have a mutual torture session, um, followed by mutual, I think they called it like, was it like a release of like the adrenaline, like riding out the adrenaline together? Like it was just Mm. convenient um a bit of sex covered in blood type thing like that sort of thing um and you know and then Rush and Nico appeared at that particular time as well which was probably a good thing so it was starting to get a little bit awkward um afterwards you know because she was like I'm still fucking angry at you and this was purely for my release only yeah um and Nico is all disheveled and like looks like shit and I just love that Reagan's like, are you, like, going through something? <laughs> I love her attitude. In the first chapter, mm-hmm. that went on longer. Like, there yes. were, like, there were, like, more scenes of, like, disheveled, sad Nico. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, just, I don't, it, it was just, it was boring, like, you know. <laughs> There's only so much time you can spend with like Nico like sitting in a sad chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All that you guys missed all sad Nico. I know. I know. <clears throat> and I mean, look, I could see it drawn out for sure, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I do love her random comments because she always seems to come like that's how she brings him out of his mood all the time because he just doesn't expect what she's gonna say. And he's like, what the actual fuck are you going on about? Like seriously. Yeah. <laughs> And it just like short circuits his brain. He's like, what was I right. even doing? I yeah. don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know. So yeah, they get these heads up that essentially she's being held in like a creepy old mental hospital, um, which is truly terrifying. Um, because yeah, I don't think I'd want to be going there, but anyway. Um, and you know, they have to go and save her by swimming across like a poisonous um lake that's like probably like radioactive and to, to go and save her but we get like these interesting scenes with Sophie because it's really like you're trying to work out what exactly is going on because they're not hurting her um you know one of them is even like really concerned about the fact that she's like hurt all of her wrists by pulling on her binding so much um and they're essentially just waiting for her to be rescued um which obviously she does get rescued and we find out right at the end of book three that the whole reason for it was for them to basically bug Sophie by give like giving her a necklace that you know records everything that they're doing which you know I mean they're very smart people and they just did not they just did not think that anything could have happened like they didn't pick up on the fact that why would they kidnap her and just hold her here and do nothing about it but anyway I mean there was a lot going on so to be fair it's probably just a very high had a lot situation. of competing priorities Amanda a lot of competing priorities um at that point <laughs> and the trilogy like just going crazy just blowing shit up everywhere and that there's a decision made that okay maybe reagan needs to take over mount summer see who's you know 
loyal to her so she goes and sees Patrick and he's like yeah look I think there's some people here that would follow you um, and he also gives her some information about this abandoned house where they go her and Nico to find out information and they go down into the basement um, and I think he really liked this scene too back yep she turns the light on yeah yeah and then um, she's like, hmm, how do you disarm a bomb? <laughs> do you know how to disarm a bomb? Just a quick question. Um, do you know how to <laughs> disarm Real a bomb? Real Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're um, probably going to die if you don't. Um, and then she's like, oh, cool, so you don't. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're about to die. Um, they obviously do get out, but you know, not unharmed. You know, there's a bit of there's a bit of um, fire damage on Nico's back. You know, she gets like a giant shard of glass in her leg, but it's not enough to stop them from, you know, releasing some sexual tension. And again, I blame the adrenaline at that point mm-hmm. as well. I mean, you've got to let these releases out as they yeah. occur. Yeah um so you know they take her back to the hotel and everybody's like shit what the fuck happened um (laughs) and at this point they realize okay well they're trying to work out whether patrick set them up or you know it was a trap what you know how did they end up in that type of situation Mm, but unfortunately it was not patrick um Mm. yeah this part actually did hurt me a bit yeah patrick and all all the people that were loyal to her were killed um and she starts getting these messages about rabbit now again i was a bit perplexed as to why they didn't pick up the fact that giovanna had called her a rabbit and then nico's nickname for her was rabbit and no one and they were leaving dead rabbits (laughs) No one was like, yeah, they exactly left a dead rabbit on Sophie's bed and nobody was like, you know what? That's a bit coincidental with this name. Yeah. I think like with reader hindsight, you can see like the trail of that. But like if you were in the moment, would you be like, (laughs) you know, you know, Nico's mom called me that one time, that one insult. (laughs) I mean, like, I think maybe that is it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, okay. oh I'm sorry no 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 you go I definitely think that she picks up that like Nico calls her rabbit right but like would they pick up that Giovanna started that nickname yeah I think as Beck said before they had way too many competing interests going on and there was a lot of sexual tension that was probably clouding their brains as well um you know because um in this book she is determined not to trust them because in all fairness, she did have a pretty big moment at the end of book one with Beck after she saw him interrogate someone when he went pretty dark thinking that that was it for her and him, that she would not accept him for who he was. And she did and she told him that she trusted him and then, you know, mm-hmm. that occurred. She was kind of feeling a little bit, you know, she'd never really put herself out there before that. So she was kind of feeling very betrayed, especially of Beck and Rush because they'd had so many moments together. Um, And, you know, this leads to the table situation that Beck was talking about where they were like, look, 
the only time we ever get through to her is when she's in a lost in a lust fog. So essentially we're just gonna have to tease her um relentlessly until she forgives us. And I think it's a good plan. Um, you know, mm. and like mm. situation on the table with Rush and Beck and Rush being all like dominant and just grabbing Beck's head and pulling him back and oh, my God, so freaking hot. Mm. Like mm. <sighs> yeah. do you do you find writing those scenes awkward or do you enjoy writing them? Because we when we're interviewing authors, it's kind of a 50-50 mix. Sex scenes? Yeah. I don't find it awkward. Um, I find the conversations like Kate and I have this like safe space rule because like, you know, like, hey, I want to write this scene or like I want us to write this scene and, you know, I might make you really uncomfortable. <laughs> like, so we're like safe space. I'm going to tell you I want, you know, back to our rush to lick Beck's fingers off or whatever so like it's like oh my god that was so hot but as co-authors we have to pitch that to each other right like so how you're like so good morning (laughs) I think the meetings used to be more uncomfortable like we've been writing together now for like god a year almost a year um and so it, it was more uncomfortable at the beginning it's not as much anymore um I'm not I don't find writing them awkward. Sometimes I get stuck, like, yeah. you know, like, and sometimes I have to be like, all right, so this person is here and then it would be here. Like, you know, and so I have to like walk through it like a little bit and, and work that out. But like, it's not uncomfortable. It's just. Yeah. I found it much harder in damn souls. Like once we started having four sons, cause I was like, yeah. <laughs> other person standing <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> so, three is nothing four is hard like, <laughs> where did this person go <laughs> you know and like three whatever like but if you're doing four it's easier to do four if there's mm because mm-hmm. everybody in each other but if it's mm without or, i'm sorry if it's four without mm it's just like how (laughs) who stands wet who stands wet yeah because you don't want anyone to miss out that's the other thing (laughs) yeah you know (laughs) and I mean she can't be doing all the work Um, they could really contribute a bit more if they join in hmm, with each other or um like if you know you'll do a scene you're like well we already did that you know like so (laughs) yes having to come up with new ideas can get tricky but um, no, not uncomfortable, just difficult sometimes. So yeah. when you're dividing up your writing, do you take certain characters or I'm just thinking if you're writing the scene, do, like how, how do you have those conversations if you're like dividing up the characters? Like, well, I want your character to lick my f- character's fingers. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have characters. Yeah. No. So um, you go. <laughs> so like we'll work out what scenes we're going to write. So instead of like writing whole chapters and then one of us will start that scene, work it through, and then we swap scenes. And then the other person comes over and edits it. So like some authors will write, you know, specific POV chapters Mm -hmm. and they stay to the same. We both wrote all of the chapters together. And I think that that helped like our voice not break. Yeah. Like like Mm -hmm. to help. So you couldn't tell who was writing what because we both wrote 
everything together. Um, so yeah, so one of us would have written that scene and the other person would have come over and like written on top of that scene. And so every, if anything, that made it much stronger because every single chapter had two people doing that. Yeah, work. for sure. Yeah. Because of that, oh, I'm sorry, Jess, you go ahead. Oh, because of that, we have to be in like constant communication though. So like, there's not a single day where we're not talking all day long. Like, <laughs> so, you know, we're just, we have Zoom meetings all the time. We plan out maybe like five chapters in advance. We have like a constant arc of how the book is going to go. So we know like the whole kind of plan, but then we plan out these five chapters, you know, you write X, I'll write Y, and then we swap. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, that would be difficult because you guys don't live near each other, right? You live quite no. far away. Yeah. Time zone, but no. Like, luckily for me, my life is set up that I get up really early. Like I will get up at 445, 5 o'clock. Wow. And I'm on Mountain Standard Time. So that's actually uh Kate's what what is five? Five is your seven, right? Like so when yeah. I'm talking to her at my seven, it's her nine. So like she doesn't have to get up at five o'clock in the morning to talk to me. Yep. And I like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm better. I sleep late and I'm up all night. So, yeah. Um, And I'm a full time writer. So, like, it's not like I have to be anywhere. Um, And so I can have like a weird schedule and set my own hours. And so, yeah, it works out. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely, yeah, to your point, you cannot tell that there's two authors writing this. Like, it's so. Yeah, it is very smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. So I guess we just have a couple of big plot points to discuss and a couple of big scenes. Firstly, the scene where Beck and Rush and her come together in the little house or the little apartment. Um, and, you know, it's the first time where um, Rush and Beck have a little bit of um, a moment. moment. Um, yeah. So that was extremely hot. Uh <laughs> I believe I may have FaceTimed you as well. <laughs> yes, she FaceTimed me literally like, to just like This is my genuine reaction. Pant. Just so you can see it, I must continue on. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, she literally just FaceTimed me to pant for like a minute. And then she was like, okay. <laughs> I must continue on. <laughs> um, but I do love Beck because he's just like, look, I'm just here for the pleasure. And honestly, I will get it however I need to get it. And then because of his openness, everyone else is just like so like, cool then i mean let's just go with it um there's no awkwardness here so reagan obviously wants to kill her father because he's a total dick um (laughs) yeah and um a couple of big plot points so um at the end of book two uh this is the point where they go to i guess kill jimmy and Mm. um you know Firstly, Dante is revealed as being alive and he is the Hatter. Secondly, he actually wants to kill Nico and Reagan specifically. So they're like, why? And he does nearly do that. I mean, he locks them in a shed and um, and does blow that shed up. And they only really get out by, the, by like a couple of seconds. Um, and then they decide, you know, well, we're still here. So maybe we could still go and kill Jimmy. Uh, at that point, I feel like I would have called it a night. But anyway, they, they're resilient. But um, they're there, though. 
they were there and they were like look um let's go so they go in there and of course they're surrounded by trilogy members and um at this point rush makes a snap decision like okay he's been trying to infiltrate them um this is the way i prove myself to them i'm going to shoot nico he's got a vest on but of course reagan jumps in front of nico and she almost dies because rush shoots her so that's Mm. the end of book two um (laughs) and i did love in book three that basically they were sent like it was pretty quickly resolved that yeah look this was this was a plan um it wasn't drawn out too much and she like was like okay cool like that wasn't the way it was meant to go down that wasn't the way it was originally written like no you have to wait until chapter eight like, that's how mean we are i'm dying because i was about to say you explain you explain <laughs> well like we, like we had it all the way out like we waited um until chapter eight and like our uh alpha reader first reader was like no absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> but like you wouldn't have known until uh reagan was like basically aiming at dante slash rush talking so you wouldn't have known all that time that what was happening and uh, yeah we were told that that <laughs> I, <not exactly. laughs> I felt strongly about it too and i you know i this is one of those like authorial moments where like you can see in hindsight like that they were totally right but when we had the conversation i was like i don't know i like it like you know? <laughs> and then that can happen and but now the way that it is is definitely the the good way um but yeah i don't know it's it, it almost something <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it almost got cast out by everybody it was very close there was one particular reader that saved everybody that pain so thank you well, thank you to that reader because i appreciated the fact that they were like because i feel like their bond was so strong like that they yeah I feel like I appreciate the fact that they were like, look, that's, that's the thing. So if the characters all knew the whole time. We, we didn't know. It to the reader. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Which is the problem. Like the characters had no pro- problem with him. Yeah. But we, did, we didn't tell it's, you in chapter eight. It's kind I'm of like, because I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> <laughs> Some people wouldn't have, right? Like, uh, <laughs> well, that's because he was already in her harem by that stage. Yeah, he was in my permanent harem. Yeah. So I had faith. <laughs> There were there were two kind of people types of people at the end of book two. There were those that like just knew it's a reverse harem. He's wearing a vest. Obviously, you know he's not the bad guy. So you have those people, and then you have people who are giving us near death threats on like <laughs> I hate this. How dare you? Like you know, screaming through messages. Like oh my god. That, like that like how bad that cliffhanger was and like the the best part is I was like telling people I'm like it's not that bad like prior to reading it like it's like not a harsh cliffhanger because in my mind it's so evident that he's not a bad guy because he's a part of the harem right yeah exactly about books like clearly he's gonna redeem himself (laughs) not everybody felt that way (laughs) (laughs) obviously Uh he has plot armor you know like yeah exactly exactly it's gonna be a real awkward harem otherwise yeah it turns out you uh your readers can really truly believe you which is awesome because like that shows like how engaged they were but um because the type of reader i am i did like i would never have done that i would have always thought hey it's fine 
um i learned a valuable lesson about cliffhangers like i think we're still going to continuously do them but that oh, it might hit please do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> please do i love a, a good but even yeah like we read a lot of reverse harem too so to your point yeah we get we mm -hmm. you kind of think mm. but then also when it happens though even my reaction was like oh no why <laughs> why but that's because i like reading how they that character will redeem themselves in a situation like that but this is where <laughs> amanda and i would never be able to write a book because i would be if i was getting those messages from readers i'm like i'll just kill him off then <laughs> <laughs> and then no one would buy it no one no. would buy it. <laughs> no they wouldn't it was like super excitement but yet very aggressive right like people yeah. were very excited about the end it just was then aggressive <laughs> um in book three we obviously do get the foursome scene at the end um but we also get um dominant nico coming out and he's just all about controlling all the things. Um, and it's like, I mean, he's been dominant before, but I mean, in a sexual way, like it was, you know, extremely hot. Um, finally, I think that's where they needed that dominant, you know, side to come out in the bedroom. Like it wasn't going well for him outside of there. No, like she was public. just, <laughs> she was just pushing back the whole time. That was always going to happen. Um, but in the bedroom, she's like, that's cool. I, you know, I just want the pleasure. So I will. I will do this. And obviously there's just a lot of very hot scenes in their brand new house in the middle of suburbia, which I just love. Um, and yeah, so we find out about, you know, Nico's mom and her extensive uh, list of brothers and about, you know, how they can't kind of, how they're probably you know, involved with Dante. They obviously, this is why the gentlemen have been defecting so quickly because, you know, he's the rightful heir. And um, they also realized that Ricardo, the uncle who is a bomb maker, has been working with them. So they're like, we've got to go, you know, kidnap him and break into his kid's house and steal his kid's ring to threaten him. Quite an elaborate plan, I thought, when I read that. I was well, like, it was because they didn't just do that. They also had to cut someone else's finger yeah. off. Yeah. to make it look like they were torturing him <laughs> yeah just kill them yeah it, it would have been too much for ray to actually kidnap like a teenager yeah oh absolutely i mean she's got she is a line that she won't cross and it's yeah. good it's good um but we also get that the trilogy have a little bit of obsession with sophie um you know there's a few moments throughout where she is you know she has these moments with them where they don't um, take her or they save her or whatever else. And you find out, you know, that Marcus and Dante were together. Mm -hmm. They were planning to leave together the night that they were murdered. Rick was the one that killed Marcus. And also he's Reagan's father. Yeah. It's a bit of an awkward situation. Um first meeting type situation no i didn't see um, that one coming actually no i didn't see it coming I feel either like it should have been yeah when i feel like when i read it i was like mm, no i missed that rebecca that's a <laughs> yes totally missed it but then when you think back you're like yeah i think there were definitely clues when he comes in and he says look after that one 
when they're in the safe house. Yeah. I feel like Jessa, um, if you agree with me, let me know. Um, you weren't necessarily supposed to like see that coming, but like, you know, if you flipped back to the other books, you'd be like, okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Makes sense. Reveals in this book that some of them had to be like slipperier than the others because like it was just a lot of reveals. <laughs> Absolutely. I think um, you know, poor Rush, he's in the middle of the trilogy, like undercover. And they don't really trust him. And honestly, like they were just really humoring him because the whole time they were just following along with Sophie's little necklace anyway. So they were just humoring him being in there undercover. Um, he was always two steps behind. Yeah. You know, he ends up almost killing Reagan's fake father, Jimmy, um, because, you know, he pissed him off. But then luckily he didn't quite die from the three gunshots so he could keep him there and and gift him to reagan to 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 pull the final um you know shot there so that was nice of him to do that um give her that moment Mm. yeah because who doesn't shoot their dad right right yeah and i mean she says like you know now i'm a part of your gang because you know you guys have all done that so that's just a thing i think (laughs) (laughs) you know um but yeah, they kind of realize look, we're a bit outmatched here. Like um, Mount Summer has joined with them. There's only like kind of a couple of hundred Mount Summer that are actually still loyal to Reagan. Um, Sophie is bored, so she starts working with Nico because he just can't control everything, especially when can't um, work out a spreadsheet. So she's got to he can't. She's got to help him because um, you know Rush is not there. Um, but so they, you know, obviously they kidnap Ricardo and like you know. You're going to work for us. I don't know how they thought that might work out, though. Like forcing someone into making bombs for you by threatening their kid. I don't know. I mean, I'm not thinking that that person's going to be real happy with you. And and he wasn't, um, you know, because they bought a hotel and they planned to, um, I guess, trick the trilogy. Uh, and you know what? That was quite an elaborate plan that they did have planned there. Um, you know, all of those secret um tubes down all the levels <laughs> i'm trying to envision it and i'm just like laughing like how i feel like it would be a really fun night to be honest like you know someone's yelling out shoot some ladders and then everybody's just scampering down like all these levels of the hotel <laughs> to get out but alas it didn't really go to plan because the trilogy knew all along what was happening um and ricardo you know he double crossed them um and the hotel was going to blow up earlier than what they thought uh, so Sophie's scrambling up there and then Dante like appears and saves her and there's a whole vibe going on you know all these people are clambering down these chutes and Rick's like I'll save you guys he's just you know out there like sacrificing himself and Dante and Nico are in their own little fight like almost to the bottom but not quite um and this is where you find out why he was so angry with them firstly with rick because he killed marcus and obviously dante loved marcus and secondly with nico because he believes that nico was the only one that could have told anybody Mm. yeah about them being there but it does kind of like allude there he's like well marcus would have only told one person and she wouldn't have told anyone so we don't really know who that person is but do we find out more about that when we when we get into the um mad as a hatter book 
which is called yes. Sophie. Yeah, which we're is gonna so find more about it. Trilogy, the trilogy, yeah. So we're gonna find out more about that then. Yeah, it'll be their yeah. full story, so it'll be all flushed <clears> out. Awesome. You know, they do get out of the hotel. Ricardo, poor Ricardo, he's shipped off to jail. So is Dante, but they do bail him out and allow him to go free with his trilogy buddies. So I am actually really excited to read. His trilogy buddies. I mean, they are. They are. <laughs> his buddies. His little buds. Yeah. You know, let him out. Um, <laughs> but look, I... I, I am really excited to read that. And actually one of the questions we got from a reader, so Marky, she was wondering, I know in your newsletter or on your website it says mid-2022, but she was wondering when, if you had a planned release date for that book. Not yet. Um, so we're working on Packbound right now, which is yep. our like the first book. Yep. Um, that is our next release. And then when that you know is out we'll start looking at what's next awesome it takes about three months to write a book for us so after you see like and we (laughs) write books basically like as soon as we release one we go into the next one so okay three months after pack round comes out nice all right we're getting to the fun questions now (laughs) to see if we had anything else to say on that other than obviously we loved it Okay. All right. Do you have a favorite writing beverage or snack? Coffee. I write at 5 a.m. Coffee. (laughs) (laughs) It makes Uh sense. I drink coffee all day long, like, which is not good for you. Um, But but, um, it it is what it is. This is seltzer water. I'm drinking seltzer water right now. I'm like really into my soda stream. Oh my um, God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, which sounds weird, but like, I don't like like non-carbonated water, but I also don't like flavored seltzer. So I'm drinking just like carbonated. Like, <laughs> water, like carbonated water for you? What? Do you, call, do you call carbonated water salsa? What did you I call, call it fizzy, but no one knows what I'm talking about. So Wait. yeah. So this is really, like, I'm, I'm drinking carbonated <laughs> water. But I like what did you call it? Busy. Well, seltzer. Busy. Seltzer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seltzer, yeah. Busy. We call we, any- call <laughs> we call anything that has bubbles in it fizzy drink. Fizzy drink, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well, so I don't know, maybe this is like a New England thing, but everyone calls it seltzer, except like my dad who calls it fizzy. And so like and he's like the only one. Um so it's no one knows. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we, um, I think the biggest, you know, what's really different is lemonade. That's something I actually struggle with in America because here, lemonade, we go somewhere and we say, can I please have a lemonade? It's Sprite. But when we were in America and I asked for a lemonade and I got freshly squeezed lemon, I didn't think anything of it. And I drank it. I'm like, what is this? And they're like, that's lemonade. I'm like, that's not lemonade. <laughs> and then Whoa. Like, there are are a lot of differences you wouldn't think so like when I traveled to America for the first time I just Mm. expected that most things would be quite similar but there Mm. are quite a number of differences in like terminology and 
yeah and things and even like our snacks and stuff like that so like and I you know I do go on about this because I'm obsessed with salt and vinegar chips she can't handle that the packet's green over there and it's pink here I can't handle it. Just, you know, little things like that because you, you'd be searching. You're like, where is the pink chips? You're like, that's just not right. So also, I was, your Kit Kats taste like crap as well, just as an FYI. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chocolate is weird. Um, like, like I um, I lived in the UK for like a hot second when I was like 21, 22 because um, I was a nanny. Um, and so when I would refer to myself as a nanny, people would like look at me kind of weird because that's like not what you guys call it. <laughs> um, so... So I was like, you know, pair, basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> okay. So this is a two-parter. Um, if you were a chair, what type of chair would you be and which celebrity would you want to sit in you? Kate, we'll start with you. <laughs> I need a- what? <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need to like narrow it down. I feel like this is an important question. It is, it is, it is. Do, 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 do you know, Jessa, do you want to start while Kate thinks? Well, I don't really have like celebrity crushes, but like I would definitely be like a big comfy recliner because like I am a hermit that likes to be at home and sit on the couch. Like that mm-hmm. is who I am as a person. Yeah. But, yep. like, I'm more like there's a lot of like super hot TikTokers, like any. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's fine. Oh, anyone. Yep. So just any of the hot TikTokers, any yeah. of the thirst traps on TikTok. Thirst traps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time I'm on TikTok, my husband's going by. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. I know. Okay. Go. So, okay, go. Okay. So I'm wicked into like Pete Davidson. I have been since prior to the Kim Kardashian thing. I watch SNL like all the time with my husband. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel as though Pete Davidson probably wears like some sort of like velvet smoking jacket and sits in one of those like, you know, armchairs with like a wooden handle. Mm, and, yes. Right. Um, but like, ironically. Yes. <laughs> oh, and that's, yes. So that's, that's what I would do. And it makes that, sense. It makes sense. A, a wooden handled chair. Yeah. What? Get that, that question. A wooden handled <laughs> armchair. I know what you're talking about. The ones that are like at the gentleman's club. Yeah, yeah I have one, um, which I got from a vintage store and I really like it. It doesn't match any of my other furniture, but I'm holding on to it like on the off chance that someday I have like a fancy library. Mm-hmm. It's important yeah. to plan ahead. Actually, yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. Actually, before we jump ahead, I just will show you this. Um, and for anybody listening, if you want to jump on and see it, it's on TikTok. Um, I did send it to Beck last night and she was oh like, my seriously, gosh, I'm so, I'm already a penta. Yeah. Um, so the- I was like reading and she sends me this. I'm like, you need to stop. <laughs> you need to stop, please. So if you go onto TikTok, it's STR, the number three, LLY 2.0, if you go to his page. Um, but anyway, I will just show you guys. Hang on one second. Yeah. See, like any of these guys, like. You're welcome. As soon as like, you said TikTok, are, we're already in the real world, right? Like, because I've never walked into one of these guys in the real world. I know, like, I know. I've- my and my husband doesn't do that in the way like that's also like he this is do. true i'm like what's happening i know we actually went to a magic mike show when was that gosh last year 
I don't even know now with all the lockdowns, but we went to one. And there's a part where they're like really grinding on a ladder. And really grinding. We have a ladder like that goes up to our ceiling. I'm like to my husband, I showed him the video because I took video. I said to a bedroom, I'm going to film this and show Chris so he knows how he should actually be going up and down that ladder <laughs> um, <laughs> because he's using it wrong, in my opinion. Oh yeah. my God. If I showed my husband something like that, he would do it and then I would be just like mortified. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, just, I'd be like, never mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my husband did do it to take the piss. And I was like, you've ruined it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ruined. Yeah. Like, the embarrassment would be strong in this one. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So what, it doesn't have to be celebrities, but it could be any of your favorite book characters seeing as you are readers as well. Um, but if you had either three celebrities or three book characters, you would invite over for a sleepover, who would they be and what would they bring? Not our own characters. Cause I feel like- it can be your own. Yeah, it can be whoever. Uh, okay. I should have prepared better for this kind of thing. <laughs> No, there's no fun in preparing for it. No, there's no fun in preparing. It needs to be off the cuff. <laughs> okay. I feel like one of them would have to be Draco Malfoy, but not the current one in the book, but only the fanfic one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you agree with that, Jessica? For well, sure. <laughs> no, we've been all... We've been all over um, Harry Potter fanfic recently, like the two of us, so just like let that be. Um <laughs> And then I really like um, Maverick from Sinner's Playground. Oh, oh yes. yes. Yeah. So like, I love Caroline and Suzanne, um, but I like specifically really like that series. So like, if, if there's a series that I am personally waiting for and like, likes to read as it comes out, it's that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to think of a third. What do you have, Jessa? So I like the Riot House series a lot and there's like Ren and Pax so I really like those two but I like I would like to see like if I could meet anybody it would be Selena or Eileen Galathinius oh, I was like I would totally hands down she could be a knight she's like like as far as like badass girl character she's like really up there and um she's definitely not the inspiration for Reagan, but like just the concept of writing these awesome women, like she's like a prototype for that kind of thing. Um, oh, I forgot the, what would they bring? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I have to work through that. Uh, what else? Well, I would like the guys to show up naked and I would like uh, Aileen to like show up with like, and teach me how to use a sword. And like maybe throw mm-hmm. some fireball. Like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, I, I get that. That makes sense. <laughs> I must, I must like other things. All of a sudden, I'm like, what books have I read? Which is dumb. <laughs> this is like whenever <laughs> like, what's your favorite book? And you're like, like I don't know. I can't have a favorite. I wouldn't be able to answer it. I have yeah. a, a many, many favorites. <laughs> or like, yeah. what's up in the book you read two days ago? I've moved into another room now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, know I don't know. I, 
too. That might be all you get from me right now. I can't think of that's, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> I can bring fizzy drink. We'll have that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is something that not many people know about you? Something. So I'm 5'11", so I'm super tall. Uh, most people don't know that. And I have epilepsy, so I'm big on epilepsy awareness. Um I'm okay now. I don't have any seizures now, but I did for like a straight three years. So yeah, Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, especially over the last couple of years, people wouldn't have seen you in person a lot with all the lockdowns and stuff. So nobody would know how tall you were because you only see somebody's head. Like when I meet people, like anybody, like not like obviously were new authors and nobody's like oh my god I got to meet Jessa but I mean like anybody I've met online they're like how are you a giant (laughs) (laughs) absolutely I'm trying to think of something that people don't know I'm like a pretty serious introvert um which is not ideal for like being an indie author because a lot of it is about you know self-promotion yeah um it's also making this question difficult um <laughs> I feel like normally your answer would be like I live in a church right like that would be your yeah. normal yeah. this is true this is true we'll I put that down because that. I mean I'm a cemetery I would totally go with that <laughs> that's yeah. so cool yes um I don't know. I feel like those two are fine. I feel like being a serious introvert is something that people probably wouldn't know about you because they've probably seen, you know, you out there on social media. So it's hard yeah. to kind of then characterize that that's, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, a lot of that is very cultivated. And like, even now I'm talking quite a bit, but in fairness, that's mostly because we're doing this together. Yeah. Um, um, and like a lot of my TikToks are, you know, I mean, I have a lot of drafts, right? So, you know, and I've done them a lot of times. So like, it, it looks more extroverted than it really is. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually like pretty uncomfortable um, in a lot of like these kind of social um, situations and like doing a lot of self-promotion. Yeah, but you're doing awesome at it. So, you know, it's like it's very much outside of your comfort zone. Like you're doing a great job. All right, last one. Fuck, Mary kill, Nico, Beck, Rush. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well like i feel like authors are not supposed to pick their favorites or yeah. well, i mean this is true but that's why why this is so I- fun <laughs> <laughs> like this is why we asked you yeah, yeah. Um, all right hang on okay well for me fuck mary kill is back rush then nico for sure. Mm-hmm. So you wait, you'd fuck back, marry, rush, kill Nico. Yeah, especially Nico, book one. Book right? one, yeah. I was going book to say Nico, like he, but like out of them in book one, like that would have been an easy decision. That muddled as the books went on. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would fuck back, marry Nico, kill Rush. I love it. Everybody's willing to fuck back though. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> well, right? Um, but but I, I think it's evident as I just said that like I like Maverick, right? I also like Nico. Yeah. Mm. Oh, like I, I love Nico. Like I yeah. love it. And I also love that she's the only one that calls him Nikolai. 
Yeah. And they're all like, oh, damn, don't call him that to his face. And she's just like, why? I, I feel like there are like two types of readers, right? There are like the people who like the like kind of intense, like, you know, character. And then there are people who like more like cinnamon roll character. And, you know, it's just, you have to have somebody for everybody. Absolutely. And that is the beauty of a reverse harem, isn't it? Because you can have all yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that's like that's why I don't normally like um answering like who my favorite character is. Cause I was like, given the moment, any one of them is the right one. And the whole concept here is yeah. I can have them all. So yeah. why would I choose one? <laughs> exactly. And that's why we asked the question. Like, I, would be yeah, I, would, I would be more than happy for Nico to tell me what to do. Right? Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh god, I can't even. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. We had a lot of fun. Can't wait to read um, your next books that come out as well and to see what you've got coming up. Um, And we hope that we can talk to you both again sometime soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Okay, so that was fun. Now, listen... If you haven't read the trilogy, go and read it. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the covers are super pretty. So you know they're going to look good on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let's get into our next segment. Holotime. Holotime. <laughs> so this week we are doing a shout out to Nicole. Or you would know her as Here for the Steam. Mm-hmm. She is on Instagram. She has an awesome bookish account. So we will tag her. Um, go and follow her if you're not already. Nicole was one of our very first followers, I think, right? Yeah, she was there from the start yeah. and she's given us some really good recommendations as well that we yeah. hadn't read before. And when we yeah. read them, we were like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely um, a good source to follow. And also to Katie or KT Books and Tea. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we'll be tagged in the episode um, references and yeah another good bookish account and a very supportive bookish friend as well so thank you ladies for all your support as always thank you so much we really do appreciate any support um and also just the friendships okay all right now it's some time for my favorite segment what the actual smart yep okay are you are you ready for this one i don't know we'll see i guess (laughs) Okay, okay. Is the girl I'm sleeping with actually orgasming? Oh, okay. It's a good question. It's a good question. Okay. And I'm glad that, you know, he's asking it. Yes. I've been with a decent amount of women and it's usually pretty obvious when they orgasm from the sounds, movements they make. This new girl I am with is almost completely silent when she orgasms. She does get sensitive afterward and I have no reason to believe she's lying. Is such a nonchalant orgasm possible? (laughs) Or maybe she hasn't ever actually had one before. Any insight or advice would very much be appreciated. I mean, I do like um, how he describes it as a nonchalant. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Look, I, that's a tough one because I know there are people out there that aren't, they don't like to make noise, whether it be because they're self-conscious or whatever else. But I think if you're having a good, you know, orgasm, it is quite difficult to stay quiet. Um, So I, I, yeah, I think, 
I think you would be able to tell even if she was quiet though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, true. I mean there would be some sort of indication like some that type she of was tremor or enjoying it. Um <laughs> type a of... facial feature. <laughs> I don't know. Um, some type of body shiver. Yeah. I'm thinking is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um and maybe he's right. Maybe she hasn't had one before. So she just feels like, you know, she's feeling pleasure, but she hasn't actually had yeah, an maybe actual she's orgasm. Just, yeah, she could just be so overwhelmed with it. Also, I know there's people out there that when they start to get to that point, because sometimes, you know, it is overwhelming, yeah. that they kind of stop themselves. But, but also, you know, if you've been with people that are like screamers and shouters and whatever, I mean, there's a good chance that they're probably faking it. Yeah, like there's definitely <laughs> people that put it, you know, do it over the top uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question and I think he's right to ask it. Uh, <laughs> I would say look for the body cues. Look for the body cues, a hundred percent. Yeah, don't go silent. by just like I don't know. Do you want maybe say, look, I want you screaming my name. I mean, that's what they say in the books, right? I mean, that is a good. <laughs> he persuasive... maybe he needs to give her those cues of what he's True. expecting. True, <laughs> like as an indicator. But otherwise, look for the body cues. Yes. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and maybe, you know, again, we come back to that old communication type situation. It is. And I was just about to say, but also if you feel you need to ask whether she's orgasming, she's probably not. I'm always just going to, I'm just going to put that out there. I'm just going to put that Yeah. Uh, but look, good luck. Good luck with, um, with that, with that, but you know, have fun also trying <laughs> to get her. To... I mean, yeah, that is, that is, you know actually true like you've got plenty of opportunity to you know give it a red hot go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well <laughs> thank you guys for listening <laughs> another interesting what the smart what the actual smart uh, story as always as always you can follow us on instagram tiktok facebook join our facebook group we do um also appreciate anybody that has the time to put a rating or review in on whatever podcast um platform you're listening to our podcast mm -hmm. on because that really does help us in getting out there and being heard and reaching you know more people that are more interested in this smutty type of stuff. readers exactly stay smutty our friends bye